Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 46 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is focused on implementing a policy management program. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, a podcast focused on the legal and compliance industry. Today's podcast is sponsored by Tom Fox, who has released his new comprehensive book, The Complete Compliance Handbook. Thank you, Mike. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'm extraordinarily pleased to announce the publication of my latest book, The Complete Compliance Handbook. This one-volume compendium provides you the most up-to-date advice on what constitutes a best practices compliance program. I bring together the top ideas, the top commentators, the top techniques, and topics that you can incorporate into your compliance program literally in a 31-day format to more fully operationalize your company's compliance regime. It incorporates the Department of Justice's 2017 Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs and information from the new FCPA Corporate Enforcement Policy. If you want one volume to guide you in operationalizing compliance, this is it. It's available starting May 21 on Amazon.com. If you'd like an autographed copy, please order one from my website, www.fcpacompliancereport.com, and I will mail it to you. This is Tom Fox. I hope you will check it out. I know you will find it useful. Thanks, Tom. Turning to today's topic, I thought it was important to review policy management procedures uh, as people look at automating this service, which I think is important, or this uh, function. Um, And companies have to develop, in my view, a structure for review, approval, update, and dissemination of its policies and procedures. Um, This is not uh, it's not acceptable now for a company to just issue policies and procedures without undergoing sort of a full review from the key constituencies, representatives from the major corporate constituencies, including senior management, business managers, and the critical f- support functions such as compliance, legal, internal audit, human resources, security, and information uh, technology. A coordinated strategy is critical to effective policy management and communications of uh, such policies to the company's employees. Uh, I can always remember working with one company where uh, there was no central repository of all the policies and procedures. Some people knew about some policies and procedures and others didn't, uh, and there was no uh, coordinated approach in terms of managing them, storing them, disseminating them, and updating them. So at the outset, let's remember that some companies struggle with the idea of creating a robust set of policies and procedures because there is a risk that the government and other interested parties can cite these documents when a company fails to follow prescribed requirements. Um, A good example of that is the uh, um, United Airlines case from several years ago, I believe it was 2016, where United Airlines settled an SEC enforcement action for bribing a U.S. Port Authority official to secure a favorable gate and transportation treatment. And interestingly, the SEC based the settlement, I think it was for $2 million, on the United Airlines violations of its internal controls. And the specific internal control that was cited was its code of conduct and its prohibition against bribery. So, 
some people have taken this to mean that we have to be defensive in the way that we uh, craft our policies and procedures. Um, but it's, I don't think that's the right approach necessarily because, uh, you know, even if um, you try to minimize uh, exposure with your policies and procedures, the benefits usually outweigh the costs in that situation. And the government's going to come up with some other creative way to, uh, to hold you accountable. But uh, the point is well made, though, that you need to take this into account when, uh, in this specific risk of enforcement, when putting together your policies and procedures. So remember, uh, the basic prohibition or basic requirement here, a company's policies and procedures are part of its internal controls. So we have to draft and adopt those uh, controls. Um, and we can consider what the enforcement risks are, but usually they're pretty minimal in comparison to uh, the benefits. Um, so the creation, though, of a formal policy review and management process considering both the benefits and the risks is critical. If, pro if possible, the process should be automated. Uh, in today's technological world, uh, there's no reason for mid-sized and large companies to manage its policies through paper or emails among each other. Um, the, as part of this, the company should create a formal policy review committee, which uh, should consist of representatives from senior management, business managers, and critical support functions, uh, obviously such as compliance, legal, internal audit, human resources, security, and information technology. Um, it's important, in, in my view, to have business representatives on the committee so that the committee can consider the impact of a policy or procedures on its uh, business operations and also uh, to hear about the real-world uh, considerations of you know, imposing certain requirements on the business and, and how that will affect the business. Um, and it also increases, on the upside, it, to me, it increases the potential for business buy-in to the specific policy or procedure, because then you'll have representatives who go back to business meetings, business side meetings, and discuss, uh, you know, here's what we've decided. Uh, I'm in favor of this because of X, Y, and Z, and uh, who sort of have the holistic view of the company and the considerations. The policy management committee should have a regular schedule for review, revision, and updating for each policy and procedure. Its goal should be to review every policy and procedure over a two- to three-year period. Anything longer than three years, uh, in my mind, uh, should be disfavored. And the policy management review process is actually very healthy and uh, is a critical part, in my view, of an effective compliance program and ensures that policies and procedures are reviewed, reconsidered, revised, um, re-examined, however you want to say re, um, and reflect the company's need to uh, remediate its compliance program, address gaps, and continuously uh, improve. A lot of companies that I've seen adopt categories of policies and procedures to distinguish between the concept of a policy. Uh, in other words, that the policy you distinguish in terms of you have a set of policies and then you have a set of more detailed procedures underneath the policy to implement that policy. Um, and I would say that there are usually three levels to this whole thing, which is usually a code of conduct, which refers generally to policies uh, and makes general statements about each policy 
and then you have the policy itself, and then you have procedures, which are ways that you implement your control specifically to abide by the policy, which in turn is incorporated within the code of conduct. Um, and so I look at a policy and I tend to define it as a, a statement of principles to guide the conduct. And the procedures are sort of the more specific procedures to implement the policy and detailed rules governing uh, conduct. So, look, such a classification system can be helpful in terms of the tiers. Uh, but I, and some, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't work for your organization, but I would avoid sort of overly complex formulations and focus on providing practical, accessible communications and controls uh, to employees and stakeholders. So a policy management committee should adopt a charter and define its purposes and responsibilities, which include recommendation and review of written policies and procedures that is designed to their the objective is to promote the company's ethical culture and provide meaningful direction to employees on expected conduct to communicate policies and procedures for internal purposes and external purposes uh, on the public website for example of the company when appropriate uh, the uh, committee also should ensure that the policies and procedures are concise, accessible, and tailored to the company's risk assessment, which we'll talk about in a second, and should create a set of controls that are, go along with this that can be measured, verified to monitor performance of the company and the effectiveness of the policies and procedures. Like every aspect of an effective ethics and compliance program, and you're not going to be surprised by this, a company's policies and procedures should be based on its risk assessment. So when conducting the risk assessment and updating this assessment on an annual basis, the company's policy management committee can provide guidance on a number of issues, including the policies and procedures that need to be adopted, a risk-ranked schedule for review of a company's policies and procedures, and consideration of risk-ranking priorities as part of the crafting of individual policies and procedures. You know, consider, uh, let's take two examples, uh, high-risk third parties, high-risk gifts and hospitality. In each case, the degree of risk should be reflected in the content of the policy and the procedures and the schedule for review of the individual policy and procedures, and in particular, third-party risk management and gifts and hospitality. So the company's foundation for its policies and procedures, which I just made reference to earlier, is its code of conduct. And in drafting a code of conduct, I have very specific prejudices and uh, ways of approaching it. There are several important and practical steps that I think have to follow. The one is the code of conduct should not be a lengthy document. It should not be filled with legalese. It should be short, sweet, to the point, and a general statement of ethical principles and business decision-making principles and ways in which the company is going to, you know, live and operate. So it should be written in clear, concise, non-legal terms, um, I would say the longest I, I could see a code of conduct being 20 pages, but it also should be visually appealing uh, so that people will read it. 
Uh, it should represent the company's basic value statement principles for operating and incorporate general statements relating to each significant policy and procedure, such as topics of like bribery, conflicts of interest, antitrust, data privacy, cybersecurity, uh, money, anti-money laundering, trade compliance, anti-discrimination, anti-sexual harassment, safe workplace environment, uh, compliance with environmental laws if applicable, whistleblower protections, um, uh, anti-human trafficking, and anti-slavery and other relevant topics. And it should reinforce the important positive messages uh, about the company's culture and its commitment to ethics and compliance, uh, the access and availability of the chief compliance officer and compliance staff to help uh, to answer questions, uh, a duty, the employee's duty to report suspected misconduct, um, the availability of avenues for communicating employee concerns and complaints, such as hotlines, uh, if you have ombudspeople or an ombudsman system, something like that, and a commitment to fair investigations and discipline and non-retaliation. Um, the statement of values, which usually goes with or as part of the code of conduct, if you're going to have that, you know, your values principles or your values proposition for the company should be short, sweet, pithy. You know, I've seen some with like 15 words, you know, 15 individual words, and that's too many words to re remember. Um, and it should be relevant to the company's culture and mode of operation. For example, commitment, integrity, excellence, you know, whatever general statements that can be used in terms of communicating internally. Um, the code of conduct itself should be made available widely within the company on its intranet. And there's a distinction here between the intranet and the internet. Uh, and it also should be made available on the public internet site and in all relevant foreign languages. This is really key for the policies and procedures. They have to be accessible in all relevant foreign languages. And the code of conduct's focus, obviously, is to promote the company's commitment to ethics and compliance. Coupled with the code of conduct should be a robust uh, code of conduct training program that is conducted annually to everyone in the company, new employees, new directors, new officers, as a way to remind and reinforce uh, the company's uh, ethical values. So we talked about public and intranet and internet. In managing the policies and procedures, a company should divide the policies and procedures between publicly available and non-public. On the public website, a company generally should promote the following values and principles, conflict of interest policy, global anti-corruption, export control and sanctions, antitrust, anti-money laundering, whistleblower protection. Um, these are some that should be included. Uh, I'm not saying you have to, but at least on the public website, it's good to have a, a broad statement. But certain um, policies and procedures, however, should not be made public. Obviously, they would be available on the company's intranet site to facilitate internal education, knowledge, and compliance, such as third-party due diligence and risk management, 
gifts, meals, entertainment, and travel expenses, policy on facilitation payments, hiring of relatives, let's say of foreign officials, charitable contributions, training, internal investigations, and advice and availability of guidance. That's more for internal management purposes and less about promoting a specific image or uh, operating style for the company. Uh, a company's internal review of policies and procedures should be on a set schedule, as I mentioned before. Once the cycle is completed, let's say a three-year cycle, the cycle should be started again. But the review process has to be established and defined. Obviously, it has to take into account the risk assessment and the updates of the risk assessment uh, to the extent you need a more regular review of certain policies or to the extent you need to address new policies. Uh, members of the policy and management committee should review the policy, update it to address issues, and continue to tailor the policy in accordance with the company's um, updated risk assessment. Changes in policy and procedures may need to be made, and uh, there should be, uh, as part of the policy review process, an assessment of the effectiveness of the policy and whether or not it's working, how we're going to measure it, is it working in the right way? Based on this review, the company should then make changes to the policy to reflect this review or to you know, more appropriately tailor it to the risks. Um, and like I said, a key constituent in this process is the business representative who can provide a sort of real-time protect, and you could have more than one business representative, obviously, who can provide a real-time perspective on the effectiveness of the policy, the operation of the policy, and the compliance costs in, in terms of time and resources. Well, that's about it. Uh, I just wanted to do a general review of uh, implementing a policy management program. Again, um, I hope this was helpful, but uh, there are some general prescriptions here to, to follow, in my view. And uh, I'd love to see people automate this process and develop a robust process uh, as part of this. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At Ethical Companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower and financial performance is higher. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment to effective ethics and compliance programs at our website, www.bokoflaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our new podcast series. You can contact me at my email address, mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you.